hi, welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, DJ Fluff. Um, this episode's a little late. My computer's in the shop, so I am borrowing a computer to record on, as opposed to just not recording for a week on a podcast with minimal listenership. But look, it's important to get a routine. Um, how's everybody doing? Good, I hope. Um, unless I try, unless I remember the thing I I, I was looking forward to talking about, uh, we're going to talk movies today. I saw two movies. Uh, I guess I saw one movie since the last episode. I saw one right before, but I didn't really talk about it. I saw a bad movie and a good movie. And, uh, hey, let's just do some movie talk, okay? So the, the bad movie uh, is Black Adam, the DC Comics movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, I love The Rock. I am in favor of most of his movies. You know, there's some generic action stuff that I don't bother to see, but if I happen to catch like a, a Rampage or a San Andreas on cable, I don't have cable, but back when I did, you know, I'd watch part of it and enjoy it. I think he's great in the in the uh, uh, Jumanji movies, and he's, he's a delight. He's the part of, of the Fast and the Furious franchise that I like. Uh... Generally, if he, if The Rock will usually get me to check something out. And he seems very excited about this movie. Um, it's why it's a shame. Now, just for, for context, uh, Black Adam, which is a terrible name, uh, is a, a Shazam villain. And yes, I know, it's the character's name isn't Shazam, it's actually Captain Marvel, but since. Marvel got to that movie first with Captain Marvel. Uh, I am calling him Shazam, just like they do on all the merchandising, just to make it clear who I'm talking about, because it's weird if you think I'm talking about Brie Larson's character from the Marvel Universe. Uh, but he is a Shazam villain, uh, which they, they they sort of allude to in this, in that he also says the magic word Shazam and gets his powers from the same wizard. Uh, and like he's for he's 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 the evil opposite basically and then like 15 years ago they started kind of playing him as a a sort of like a sympathetic anti-hero and they they changed his origin and uh it never really made sense at the time because he's you know he's he was he was a solid villain and I realize now that uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson signed on to do this movie in 2007, uh, which is right about when they started reworking Black Adam as a character, uh, presumably to bring him into line with something The Rock would want to do in a movie. Um, they, you know, like I said, they made him a uh, uh, like Marvel or DC's Wolverine, um, and they they. This is a real nerdy point to press on, but uh, in the movie and since 2007, uh, he has been a, a former Egyptian slave named Teth Adam. Uh, and up until that point, from about when he was introduced in 1940, he was a uh, an evil archaeologist uh, slash murderer named Theodore Adam. And when they rewrote the, this other 
entity took control of the Black Adam power or something. It's not worth going into, but it always seemed like such a weird change. And that's clearly the reason why it happened. Uh, and the thing that's interesting is uh, somebody put the, like, the announcement that The Rock was cast from 2007. And one of the things he says he really likes about Black Adam is he's a hero of color. And up until the moment that happened, he wasn't either of those things. He was a villain and he was white. And I'm not saying this in the, the, uh, the, you know, those terrible, uh, terrible people who are, oh, they're going to cast a black guy for Wonder Man. What if we make a white guy Black Panther? No, I don't care. It's just, it's framed as that was his experience with the character and that had literally only been the character's status quo for about three months at that point. Where uh, he was very, they were making more of a, a an attempt to portray him as Middle Eastern as opposed to an evil white guy. Um, which, honestly, you know, probably for the better in terms of uh, uh, character depth. Uh, it's just... It's just it's just interesting. The announcement was sort of phrased as oh, this. This was Black Adam's place in the universe. It was like, well, no, it was only that moment his place in the universe. You know, uh, these are not changes I'm disputing. Uh, I do think he's often poorly written. Uh, that has a lot to do with with uh, the fact that Jeff Johns has been kind of behind the most of the Black Adam material for the last 15 years and that dude's been in a slump. Look, we're not going to get into that. We'll talk about the movie. Uh, like I said, the movie is, it's its bad, but not really in the, like, over-the-top crazy way, not in a way that seemed like somebody had aspirations to something more and they fell short. It's just such a wet fart. Uh, the... Like, the, the relationship between Black Adam and the kid who helps bring him to the modern world uh it, it's very like you've seen this one million times from terminator 2 onward um the they they do something kind of neat where they introduce the justice society which in the comics were the original super team from the 40s and then like their descendants and whoever kind of take up the mantle and they just sort of introduce these four characters and act like you know who they are and I know who they are but your average moviegoer is going to be baffled um, and there's no backstory given for anybody which is it's fine but they also want to treat it like there's these big emotional moments like you do know who they are like they want you to be as connected to Hawkman as you are to Spider-Man but you know, you've seen Spider-Man in, in 10 movies and 99% of the movie audience has just now learned that Hawkman exists. And you see, there's like, <laughs> there's, there's also a like hilariously sweaty attempt to try to get, uh, like somebody's going, oh, Black Panther was huge. We need our own vibranium. Like that was the thing people liked about Black Panther was the mystery metal. So they introduced two mystery elements into this, Eternium and Nth Metal. Um, and Nth Metal, is, that's a thing from the comics that actually is tied into Hawkman. And, uh, you know, 
which which is cool and all, but they all they do is have Hawkman bl- brag that his plane is made entirely of nth metal. That doesn't pay off. There's nothing that makes it special. It is just a thing so like nerds could go, yeah, he mentioned nth metal. Which at this point in 2022, I could not be more bored with. Like you know, there's Ant Man's been in four movies. You know, I I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get a boner because somebody men- says the name of a thing I read about. It's I don't it, I don't know. It's it's it feels like the third movie Hawkman was in, except you don't have the previous two for context. Like even I couldn't tell you what exactly what his deal is, and I I know a lot about Hawkman. Uh, what they do is kind of kind of fun where they play him as maybe he's just a weird billionaire as opposed to an alien cop or a reincarnated Egyptian uh, Egyptian god uh, both of which have been sort of his status quo at one time or another uh, and that would be kind of fun to explore but you don't get the room to do it um, you know it's a, it's a good performance and Pierce Brosnan is Dr. Fate and this is a this is a Pierce Brosnan zone here we love Pierce Brosnan and he's 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 great. He gives it a little more, uh, puts some stakes into it. Um, it is a little bit unfortunate that people will see him as a Doctor Strange ripoff. Uh, and yes, Doctor Fate came way, he's a character from the 40s. He came way earlier, but people know Doctor Strange. And also, Doctor Fate didn't have a personality in the 40s and kind of and for the last 30 years he kind of has been a Doctor Strange ripoff but the the unfortunate thing is that he almost exclusively uses spells that Doctor Strange used in movies so it's like you know hey he's a superhero with magic I bet he's going to make a lot of duplicates for himself for a big fight hey sure enough he did Um, you know and I, I you know as characters I like I'm not really a huge fan of Black Adam uh, mostly because his metamorphosis was so perplexing, and he seemed it's such a seemed like such a desperate attempt to have a cool, edgy character. Um, but it's it's like the the Rock just turns off his charisma in favor of being tough. And there's this this thing he has going back to the Fast and Fur- Furious movies since he was. He and Vin Diesel were always jockeying for alpha male where they both have in their contracts that they have to land more punches than they get hit with and they always have to have the upper hand and that carries over here. So there are no, even against the the big enemy, there is never a moment when he looks like he might be in any kind of danger. Uh, which... Which which is is fine. It's just a little hard to make that the protagonist of your movie, and never. I mean, even there's a part where he loses his powers and he still fight and he turns into uh, the Rock's head on a a. <laughs> it's not like a Chris Evans in, in early Captain America body. It's like a guy who still has muscle definition. He's just not giant. Like the Rock was not going to let them portray him as scrawny. Uh, but he still just he still just beats up a platoon of dudes with no trouble whatsoever. Um, and it's it's and part of it is set in the Middle East and it's sort of set in this uh, 
I mean, it's in a desert city. So the color palette lends heavily toward brown again. and But all the fight scenes have ridiculous amounts of slow motion, just like the Zack Snyder stuff. And it's it's as ugly as a Zack Snyder movie, but without the terrible terrible politics. So it's a step up from from the Snyder stuff, at least. Uh, it in fact makes a strong anti-colonialism statement. So you got to give him credit for that. Um, okay, here's a couple of, I mean, it's real hard to get too ups, upset even because it's just so, it's just, it's, it's just such an, it's such a nothing. It's so, it's, it's real half-assed. Um, couple things that, that jumped out to me that I, I just want to kind of get down, uh, a lot of people will will uh, complain that the Marvel movies are too jokey. And, you know, they do tend to be a little quippy. I feel like that's been largely dialed back. Uh, like, usually when people have that complaint, they're specifically talking about Age of Ultron. And after that, it's the characters who are supposed to be funny within the world who have the you know, your Spider-Man, your Ant-Man, your, your Star-Lord. Those are the guys with the one-liners because that's their deal. Uh, but I think there's a way in which the, that's actually really useful. And the thing that jumped out to me is Hawk. And I'm a, I'm a comics nerd, and I, I love Hawkman. Uh, and when I was in high school, I wrote a pitch to be the monthly Hawkman writer, and I sent it to Paul Kupperberg at DC Comics. It is completely embarrassing. I hope nobody ever looked at it. Um, I'm, I got my Hawkman bona fides. I'm, I'm a Hawkman guy. You put him in live action, and he looks silly. He has wings, and he wears a big bird helmet that has big wings for ears, famously a feature of bird heads. And there's a way in which that's cool, but there's also a way in which that's very silly. Um, and adding to it, just to... Uh, they, they sort of broke with the classic comics version and made it very clearly metal, uh, which I'd almost rather it be look more organic. And there's a... Uh, the way Hawkman is usually drawn, the proportions of his face don't work when he has his helmet on. Like, his his eyes are too far from his mouth. And, like, sometimes you'll see somebody draw what Hawkman would look like without the helmet, and it's this weird extended face. But you do that because that makes the helmet look better uh, in the image. And when you can't do that to a human, it makes it looks goofier. It takes on a very goofy appearance, and... Like, it's it's fine. You have to acknowledge at some level there's something silly about this. But it goes so far to have somebody just kind of admit what we're all thinking, and then it can loop around to being cool. You know, if somebody just points out, or somebody asks him what's with the bird head, and then he can, exp then he can reference his origin or something just to... But you sort of deflated it because you're... With this movie, I'm constantly sitting there as a comics fan and just thinking, oh, 
the movie really wants me to think this is unquestioningly cool, and that makes it look sillier. And I feel like somebody without familiarity with these characters would would be. I mean, there were there was there was giggling in the movie when you first see Hawkman's weird helmet. You need to deflate it and then make it cool, but you need to acknowledge it. So we're all on the same same footing. We go, yeah, it, it, the guys guys got a helmet that looks like a bird head. That's a weird choice. Uh, and, and a little of that, I think, would have helped with some of the self-seriousness. Uh, I also think it, it's weird that the kid in the movie has a bunch of merchandise uh, posters and comics and action figures based on DC Comics heroes who exist in his world, but also all the merchandise is based on the comic book versions as opposed to the movies. <laughs> So, like, in this world, somebody is making action figures of the Flash that look way better than the actual Flash. <laughs> um, that just seemed funny to me. Uh, and this was a, a uh, Amanda Waller from Suicide Squad and Peacemaker is in it briefly. And... This movie does not make sense with the end of Peacemaker at all, which is where she's essentially exposed as running a illegal black ops operation uh, and ending her political career. But in this movie, she can give like her thing is she has access to supervillains that she can let out of prison and send on missions in exchange for clemency. For some reason, this movie, she can give Hawkman orders and he just takes them unquestioningly, unquestioningly and they kind of try to portray Hawkman as sort of a stick-up-his-ass righteous kind of guy, and he would not... He, this is not somebody he would listen to. Uh, so it, it's... And also Harcourt from Peacemaker, who, as we have established, is my 2022 TV crush, has a very small uh, appearance where she's the warden of an Arctic prison, which also doesn't make sense given the end of Peacemaker. So I have to assume this happens before the Peacemaker series. Um, that, that was aggravating to me just in general. In specific, rather. And I guess I also did not like the, the thesis of this, which is that, yeah, uh, Black Adam's brutal and he does a lot of, you know, he kills his enemies and he's, a, he's an angry man with unlimited power. And... But they and like the takeaway is, you know what? Sometimes you need a guy who's going to get his hands dirty. But in these movies, that's all we've seen. Superman and Batman are, are they're both on record as being okay with killing people to end a fight. There's there's no difference. You know, it'd be one thing if they if if it was Adam West Batman and sometimes the world needs Black Adam. Superman is already Black Adam in this world. It'd be, it'd, it'd be amazing if the moral had been, hey, sometimes you need a guy who's... <laughs> sometimes you need a guy who's decent. Uh, and then the... And this is a spoiler, but you don't care. The post... Or mid-credits scene, rather, uh, has Superman show up. And they foolishly... It, I will say it's the first time Superman has appeared in a theatrical release since 2017. Uh... He's appeared in a couple things since then, but they don't show his face because they couldn't get Henry Cavill. And they didn't have anybody locked in to play Superman. So it always seems like 
like they don't have the rights to Superman. They'll show his chest, but not his face. Um, and they they kind of foolishly were like, yeah, Superman's in the post credit scene, which I guess they thought that was going to get people to the theater. But then you need to do something with that. And literally the only point to that scene is the surprise of Superman showing up. They don't fight. They don't really interact behind beyond him saying we need to talk. I think that would have really worked if you hadn't known it was going to be him, but you go into the movie and, oh, Superman's going to show up. Maybe he'll do something cool. No, he won't. He 100% will not do anything cool. He will simply appear, and you're supposed to be surprised and excited, but you're not because they told you. Um, yeah, the directing is real iffy. There's some baffling choices that make it harder to follow. It, it was just bad. It's just, it's a, it's a bummer. I really love DC Comics and I wish, I wish more than anything they were producing something, putting something in a theater that was acceptable. Um, they might have to just, I don't know. I'm not going to back backseat drive this thing. Maybe that'll be another episode. Uh, so Black Adam, blah. Uh, I did also though see the Banshees of Anishirin, which is Neil McDonough. I hope it's Neil Martin. Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough. Neil McDonough is the actor, spelled very differently, pronounced I think the same as the guy who did In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths and Three Billboards. And he, as a as a creator, is uh, extremely inconsistent. There, there are. It seems like everybody has stuff of his they love and stuff they hate. And uh, you know what? This one is just a completely charming little story. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson is two guy, two friends in a small town, small island off the coast of Ireland in the 1920s. Uh, and one day Brendan Gleeson decides he's not going to be friends. He doesn't want to be friends with uh, Colin Farrell anymore. He just doesn't like him anymore. They, He tells him that. And... Uh, partly because there is literally nobody else. This is just a tiny little nothing island with a, a minuscule population. Uh, it's it's Colin Farrell trying to fix things or win him back. And uh, it goes to some really dark places. It's also extremely funny and charming. Uh, it's just fantastic acting across the board. It is It is really lovely and also has some real gross hand stuff if you were missing game of thrones house of the dragon this is your place for for gnarly hands uh so this i wish i had more i i wish i had more to say about the good nice movie than the bad dumb one but i'm better at talking about superheroes than than humans uh it's delightful and also in my own life is a little peek behind the curtain. Fairly recently, somebody I was friends with basically Banshees of Anishirin to me. Uh, and this is somebody I've never named on this show, so the cast of characters is unaffected, but somebody I've been friends with for a long time sent me a text that said basically there was something about me that prevented them from continuing to be friends. And uh, so we can't be friends anymore. Uh, based on and this 
there's not a way to explain it that like I feel like unless I give you every single detail, it makes me sound bad. Like I don't know what I, but it really came out of nowhere, uh, and it sucked and it's still bothering me. Uh, but that is that's I don't know. So it, you know, it kind of struck me, but it was it was also very charming and lovely. It's wonderful. Check it out. Uh, franchise report. It's already gone long. It's a lot of movie talk. Uh, also, I have an update to the franchise report. I've worked out what I'm going to do. Uh, so we're already done with, with James Bond. Uh, I'm following that up with the Pierce Brosnan Film Festival and then the Bourne movies. Uh, after I finish Marvel in a couple weeks, I will do the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies as well as Into the Spider-Verse and then the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies, just because I've been reading Hellboy, and it'll be fun. After that, I'm going to do the Coen Brothers movies. But that doesn't give me a lot to talk about on Franchise Report, simply because, I mean, what insight am I going to bring to a serious man? Like, a lot of times it's just me being, oh, this is good. I think this one's underrated. So in the interest of having franchises to talk about, I will also be doing Alien, which is the four mainline movies, the two sequel prequels, and the two Alien vs. Predator movies, and Police Academy. Uh, I think it's very important to have an American Pie-style viewing of something I do not anticipate liking and will now have to become an expert in. And when I finish one of those, I have not worked out the... Uh, haven't quite worked out where I'll end up first, but then the next one after I finish one of those will be Tremors, all seven Tremors movies. I've liked the ones I've seen. The other ones seem fun. They are probably real dumb. I can't wait. Uh, so anyway, we got we get to our, our for Marvel. <sighs> this is the first one since Iron Man 2 that I was not on some degree, in some degree, looking forward to rewatching, and that was Eternals. Which, as it happens, I watched one year after it was released. So that was fun. Uh, um, it's, it, it's, it's severely underwhelming. It's interesting, and it's weird, and there's talent behind it. Like, I mean, it, it, Chloe Zhao is the director. She she won the Oscar that same year for Nomadland. Uh, I don't remember if that won Best Picture or if she won Best Director or both. But, you know, this is someone, someone coming off an Oscar win. And it, it's, it's not like Black Adam where it's half-assed. It just doesn't work. Like, the Eternals are just... Um, I, I don't know what the why they even ended up in the mix uh, as movie concepts. Uh, I've probably mentioned them a bunch of times on the show before. I'm a huge Jack Kirby fan. And this is like the one late period Marvel thing of his that I don't find at all interesting. Like the plot of the Eternals comic is in every issue, somebody different describes the plot of Chariots of the Gods. And then they go off to find somebody different who can explain the plot to them. Um, and the main threat is a space giant who is going to stand motionless for 50 years while he judges Earth. And they build on that a little bit, where the 
the space giants are in space, but one of them is hatching in the middle of Earth. Um, it's here's the thing: there's talent behind it, and the it's weird, and the the aesthetics are so specific that there I can imagine a person who's like, "Oh, this is my favorite Marvel movie." I would assume they probably don't like many of the others. Like maybe somebody who doesn't care about superheroes kind of vibes with this. Uh, like I, I, I'd buy that. I don't know who that person is, but I believe they exist. I do not believe that there's a person not named Dwayne Johnson who'd be like, yeah, my favorite favorite superhero movie is Black Adam. No, that that's not a real person. There is a person who loves the Eternals. Uh, we do not agree on any movie things. Uh, part of it is it's just such usually they you know marvel introduces the characters one at a time or you you know you seed in somebody to who will appear later but you get to know them a little first you know by the time there was an avengers movie everybody had been in a movie before uh guardians of the galaxy is the one time they give you a whole new team but that that's only five people and you know there's a tree and a raccoon in there so you get their deal pretty quickly and the Eternals hit you with like 10 characters. And some of them are pretty interchangeable. And the the action scenes are they're 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 really not interesting. And uh the whole idea is to have them all be able to do different things, but they all sort of present the same. Uh and spanning the history of humanity gets you, gets you some really overwrought stuff. Brian Tyree Henry is a fantastic actor, but even he can't sell that walking around Hiroshima going, my God, what have I done scene. That There is not a person alive who can sell that scene because it's ridiculous. Um, it's, you know, it, it's got a, they're good at putting a decent level of quality into everything. Like you're not walking out of the theater going, what a stinker. There's just nothing really to that clicks with me at all, and it feels very forgettable. Um, there's some good casting. Uh, Barry Cogan, who is also in Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, I've only seen him in a couple things, and he's always irritated me, and I think he's supposed to be irritating, but it gives me a low opinion of him. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani really pops as Kingo who I think is completely redone from the comics because I don't remember him shooting explosives out of his fingers. I think he had a sword. Um, uh, Richard Madden from Game of Thrones is Icarus. Is, it was more effective the first time I saw it, but once you know how it turns out, then everything he's doing seems very obvious. And uh, He does sort of play as a parody of Zack Snyder Superman, which is funny. Uh, Gemma Chan had a minor, minor villain role in Captain Marvel, and they brought her back in this as a different character, which they have not really... There's like one other person who's played more than one character, uh, at least significant character. And I, I think she, she was tremendous on humans, and she does a good job of being sort of the emotional focus of the movie, but her character is not that interesting so it's not a great showcase for her uh it's just it's it's so hard to care about 
and the fact that we've had three movies since then and nobody's mentioned that there's a half submerged dude sticking out of the earth uh big enough to be seen from space it it feels it honestly doesn't feel like it fits into the marvel continuity at all which when when kirby did the comics he didn't intend for it to the editor tried to make him and said he had to do a hulk guest appearance so he did an issue with hulk in, and then at the end it turns out to be a hulk robot and maybe in that world there isn't really a hulk so yeah it just it doesn't do anything for me it's i do not anticipate watching it again uh and the post credit scenes are both just setting up characters nobody but roger stern cares about uh and they're both kind of baffling uh because what i in the theater people it made people think thanos is an eternal and the other one uh hinges on a sword that was mentioned in passing once and has the off-screen debut of blade but there's no way for you to know that's him talking uh it's it's just kind of a nothing i mean they tried real hard and there's people who probably love it i have never heard from those people but they exist um it does not look like you know based on the next four years of projects they've introduced it does not look like any kind of Eternals follow-up. Um, I imagine like Kingo and Cersei might show up in, in an Avengers movie down the line or something because they're the they're the ones who kind of pop at least. Uh, but yeah, that was is well intentioned and there's talent behind it, but it is easily in the bottom three. Not bottom third, bottom three Marvel movies. Uh, that Iron Man two and Incredible Hulk. So it's it's the first one that I really don't like since two since 2010. So you know what? Good job. You had a solid 11-year run of uh, me walking out of the movie theater going, that was rad. And then you started up again with the next one, which will be Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, which I will cry watching again. Uh, and then in our post-Bond uh, refractory period, uh, my, I had planned to do uh, The Matador and The Foreigner since they are both uh, Pierce Brosnan movies directed by Martin Campbell that are sort of Bond adjacent. But it turns out Martin Campbell didn't direct The Matador. So then it just became Pierce Brosnan movies. So I'm, I'm uh, doing this, then I'm going to do The Foreigner and then The Thomas Crown Affair uh, just to get the, the Pierce Brosnan classics in. But... uh. The Matador is real good. Pierce Brosnan plays an aging assassin uh, who he, he's kind of losing his touch and he he runs across, uh, he, he meets Greg Kinnear when Greg Kinnear is in Mexico working on a business deal and they sort of become friends and Kinnear sort of gets drawn into his world and is terrified by it but also learns just enough to make his life better. And then drunk Pierce Brosnan shows up at his house years later uh, needing a favor. And it's, man, Greg Kinnear is real fun to watch. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is sort of a parody of Bond or even like the real world version of it where he's just like, 
just dead inside and all this stuff is just completely joyless for him. And uh, there's a very funny scene where he just walks into it. Like when I say walks into a swimming pool, I don't mean like goes down the steps. He takes a step and plunges into the pool while he's drinking a beer and he is holding his empty beer can underwater. Uh, depressed Pierce Bras. It, it really works. And there's this, because there is such an imbalance in their relationship where Pierce can and might kill him at any moment. Um, it's, it's great. I had so much fun watching it again. And also a very early Adam Scott appearance. This is 2005, four years before Parks and Rec. Five years, yeah, five years before he was on Parks and Rec. Uh, yeah, baby Adam Scott, it's very, it's great. Check out The Matador. It's a good one. Uh, that's, we're gonna, gonna wrap it up, I guess. Uh, remember, uh, teasebysummer.com, our sponsor. Uh, I can't believe I almost, I almost forgot. Sorry, it's, I've talked for a long time. Uh, it is officially too cold in Michigan here for, for me to wear my Tees by Summer gear uh, unless I wear a t-shirt like uh, with a, with a with an open button down over it which I which I have been doing but maybe you live in a nicer climate maybe you need some mugs or a water bottle uh, it's all it's all very good uh, just it's well I've said it before and I'll say it again I have all of the mugs and I have them on my desk at work and some of them I have more than one mug of because I have them at home to drink from uh, when I'm home and doing my business uh, and it just makes me happy because my work is bad and I'm sad all the time when I'm at work uh, and I just when I just I look over and I see that's a chunky or or Carl Havoc or uh, you know the the car blueprint and it's all it, it just makes me smile it's it's funny and it's so well done it, it's they're high quality mugs check them out teasebysummer.com buy something uh, and that's it for this week you can email the show at fedtalks at yahoo.com I'm on Twitter for now at least who knows at EJ Fettis. I'm in Instagram at EJ underscore Fettis. Uh, sometimes I put pictures of animals that I saw when I was on a walk. Uh, had a lot of pictures from my Chicago trip up there, including what I look like in infrared. Check that out. Uh, check out the apehive.com. I wrote something and forgot to post it, but it's hopefully coming soon. Uh, it's about how The Simpsons is having a weird resurgence in season 33. Uh, Somebody wrote a better version of that article already, though, so maybe I'll just link to that. Um, and next week, I don't know. It, there might not be an episode next week. I don't know what's going on with my computer. Um, if there is, we'll be talking about No Way Home and The Foreigner and who knows what else. Uh, also, we're getting close to Cranksgiving. And this year, that means the Crank 2 High Voltage Commentary Track. I've been looking forward to doing this all year. So stick around for that. Uh, then in December, we'll have a Christmas story. Uh, 
Hopefully we're going to be able to do the uh, best TV shows of the year with Haley again. Uh, everything is coming up. I don't know, man. I was going to say something, but who knows? It feels like a, everything's a disaster. Uh, we dodged some, some electoral bullets, but not all of them. Uh, I'm pleased to say that despite the projection when I went to bed last night, my district did not elect the guy who doesn't think women should be able to vote to Congress. So way to go, Grand Rapids. Um, that's it. I will talk to you later. Bye. Fed Talks is a Faux Boys production. Wee, 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 wee.